Blog Talk Radio. This is the Burrow House, a plantation home in Tiny Stateburg, South Carolina, about 10 miles west of Sumter. It has been the site of many Forrest Gump-like moments. General Thomas Sumter lived here. Former Governor Stephen Miller lived here. Joel Poinsett, for whom the Poinsettia is named, died here. Even Samuel Maverick, whose son became the namesake for the term Independent Rebel, owned this house on the property. A lot of really important but not splashy historic 
people have wandered through here. Perhaps the quietest of them all has arguably the most important story to tell. It began here in 1935 when three young girls discovered a stack of letters while playing in the basement of this home. Those letters, now held at USC's Carolinaana Library, tell the story of a slave named April. There's been a really good job of whitewashing a very awkward discussion. It's a hugely awkward discussion. In 1802, a white plantation owner named William Ellison lent one of his young slaves, April, to work for a gin maker in Winsboro. April quickly became the go-to man for repairing the expensive cotton gins throughout the Sumter area. They send him out to the plantations and they take them apart. He would sharpen them on location. And that's why he heard about Stateburg. He came through here as a young man. You know, he said, well, when he bought his freedom or whatever, he came here. The center of plantation country, the wealthiest area of South Carolina. He changed his name. April was now known as William Ellison, the name of his former white owner. His gin business prospered. He bought this home, hundreds of acres of land, and eventually 68 slaves to work that land. Granger McCoy now lives in the Ellison home and says he often finds old cotton gin blades. What did the Ellisons say when they come? They're looking for the home place. All descendants of what many of us thought an impossible oxymoron, a black slave owner. I had a black ophthalmologist come through here, Ellison, and we sat on this couch right here. And his great-great-granddaddy owned 68 slaves, and here I am, white, over here, and my great-great-granddaddy didn't own any slaves. And it, it was like a, uh, somebody blew a dog whistle in a kennel, everybody just kind of turning their head, not knowing how to handle all this. History tumbles here. And what little we can learn about Ellison as a slave owner isn't pretty. The book Black Masters chronicles Ellison's life in the antebellum South and suggests that his slaves were the worst fed and clothed of any in Stateburg. It also suggests that Ellison was a slave breeder, selling off infant girls, a practice even some white owners found cruel. Whatever the case, Ellison certainly had a good relationship with other white aristocracy. This contract shows that Ellison didn't just buy a home in wealthy Stateburg, he bought it directly from former Governor Stephen Miller a governor and former slave trading property. He was the wealthiest black man in South Carolina, the fourth wealthiest in the South, wealthier than more than 90% of whites. Just a few hundred yards from the Ellison home is the Ellison graveyard, private, neither mixed with other white nor black tombstones, symbolic of his unusual position in the pre-war South, a position so few of us even knew existed. Whatever happened during Reconstruction, and then up through the Jim Crow era, anything and everything that had to deal with the relationships between the blacks and the whites just went underground. And may have remained so, if not for a stack of letters found under his house. For Hidden Columbia, Anderson Burns, ABC Columbia News. Well... Welcome, folks, to another controversial episode of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Um, yeah, tonight's episode is certainly racially charged, as are many of my my blog my blog talk radio shows, uh, my my podcast, as some folks call them. Um, let's take care of this first. Before we get started, 
Today's date is July 12, 2018. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Yeah, tonight we're going to talk about blacks who own slaves. Since the theme of this month has has taken on the air of Know Your History. Because I've been told that on more than one occasion, even though I am a history professor and I, I hold degrees in history, I've been told by quite a few blacks just this last month, the month of June and into July, that I don't know my history. And I need to understand where I came from. I need to know my history. And for those, uh, my white brothers and sisters out there, they don't say I need to know my history. They say, you need to remember your heritage. Okay. And most of this is is stemming from my um, allegiance to the Republican Party. I'm a conservative, as everyone knows. And I... I just want to go ahead and put some history out there. Since I need to know my history, I decided to, to take a look and, uh, you know, refamiliarize myself or, or re-educate myself as to my history. And so we decided to delve into some of the – because there's, there's a whole lot of white bashing going on, uh, a lot of talk about white privilege, a lot of talk about, you know, by young people. Whose grandmothers, and in some cases great-grandmothers, never experienced slavery. Certainly their mamas didn't experience the the thing about sitting on the back of the bus, separate water fountains, all that, and maybe not even their grandmothers. But that never stops them from bashing white folks and talking about racism and all these things that they never actually experienced for themselves. And in some cases not even their parents. So let's get let's get down and dirty with it and talk about our history. And there's certainly a lot of great things about our history. US history, certainly, but black history as well. We know that a lot of the things that we take for granted today were invented by black people. The lawnmower, for example, well, not as it, it, it not as it exists today. The stoplight, the the baby carriage, little things like that. A lot of things that you you wouldn't believe that you use every day were invented by a black man. Have you heard the term the real McCoy? I'm sure you have. Well, behind that phrase, behind that term, the real McCoy, is a very interesting story. Look it up sometime. Right now, let's get on into it. You know, little, very little, very little indeed has been published regarding those blacks who owned black slaves in the United States. It's kind of been like one of those things like how the Democrats sort of hide their their, uh, their racist history sort of whitewash it a little bit. Well, you know, there are a couple of books out right now called one is uh, Black Masters. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of it. By uh, Michael Robinson. 
And then there's the book uh, Black Slave Owners, Free Black Slave Masters in South Carolina from 1790 to 1860. It's called Black Slave Owners by Larry Kroger. And those are just two of the books that, that come to mind that detail the fact, the historical fact, and which is well documented, that blacks owned other blacks and sold other blacks. Yeah, talk about a sellout. The next time somebody calls me a sellout, well, I've got a story for them. All right, so check this out. Philip Burnham, in an article titled Selling Poor Stephen, published in February of 1993's issue of American Heritage, found that in the U.S. Census of 1830, there were 3,775 free blacks who owned, get this, 12,740 black slaves. You heard? Did you hear me? <laughs> there were 3,775 free blacks who owned 12,740 black slaves. Burnham wrote about the slave John Kasor, who was denied his freedom by black slave owner Anthony Johnson. You want to know the story, don't you? Well, here it is. Like to hear it, here it go. In the 1640s, John Kasor was bought or brought from Africa to America, where he toiled as a servant for a Virginia landowner. In 1654, Kasor filed a complaint in Northampton County Court, claiming that his master, Anthony Johnson, had unjustly extended the term of his indenture with the intention of keeping Castor his slave for life. And Johnson insisted he knew nothing of any indenture, fought hard to retain what he regarded as his personal property. So, after much wrangling, on March 8, 8 uh, 1655, the court ruled that the said John Kasor Negro, and these are these are actual this is actual verbiage taken from the court documents, by the way. Said the said John Kasor Negro shall forthwith be returned unto the service of his master Anthony Johnson, consigning him to a bitter lifetime of bondage. Yeah. Now, given the vulnerable legal status of servants, blacks and whites, in colonial America, the decision was not surprising. But the documents reveal one additional fact of interest. Wait for it. Anthony Johnson, just like his chattel, Castor, was black. Drop it like it's hot. Carter G. Woodson, whose grandparents and father had been slaves, 
was one of the first to write about the black slave owners. In Free Negro, <laughs> Free Negro Owners of Slaves in the United States in 1830, and it was published in 1924, Woodson gave the names and numbers of slaves owned by free blacks counted in the U.S. Census of 1830, listing them by name and the number of slaves owned. Carter set some people out. He called some people out. He put their business in the street. Carter G. Woodson, black, by the way. Michael P. Tomagill in The Black Roots of Slavery also noted the issue of black slave owners, and he stated this. There were many free blacks in the American colonies. They were enfranchised, and as early as 1641, Matthews D. Sousa were elected to legislatures. These Free blacks owned slaves, some for philanthropic reasons, as Carter G. Woodson suggests. However, as Larry Hope Franklin wrote, free Negroes had a real economic interest in the institution of slavery and held slaves in order to improve their own economic status. It's about money. It's about power. The usual, right? The census of 1830 lists 965 free black slave owners in Louisiana alone, folks. And they owned a total combined 4,206 slaves. The state of South Carolina listed 464 free blacks owning 2,715 slaves. How ironic it is. <laughs> How ironic it is that so many blacks own so many slaves in South Carolina, yet no one seemed to mention this during the so-called flag controversy. And some blacks served in the Confederate Army, which is another omission in our popular culture. The movie Glory did not happen to mention that blacks served in the Confederate Army. Nope. Mm -mm. It did give the impression that the black soldiers in the 54th Massachusetts were former slaves, which was not true, by the way. Mm -mm. But the movie did give the impression that black soldiers in the 54th Massachusetts were former slaves. Again, not true. And again, blacks served in the Confederate Army. Talk about turncoats. Talk about sellouts. The next time one of you so-called intellectual, enlightened, Afrocentric blacks walks up to me, and says, you need to learn your history, brother. 
You need to remember where you came from. The white man ain't your friend. The white devils are out to subjugate you, brother. They don't care about you. To them, you just another nigga. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You won't believe how many times another black man has stepped up to me and said, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many degrees you get, to them, you just another nigga. Mm-hmm. You heard me? Can you imagine somebody actually walking up and talking to me that way? I, I, I took pity on him. I spared him. I didn't have to. I was feeling generous. So, the next time one of y'all, one of you people, what do you mean you people? One of you people walk up and want to talk shit about me not knowing my heritage, not knowing where I came from. Well, apparently, back in the day, my brother to maybe your great-great-grandfather owned one of my cousins. Maybe your great-great-grandfather owned my great-great-grandfather. Think about that, my brother. Now, from Kroger's work, his research, it's noted that free black slave owners resided in states as north as New York and as far south as Florida, extending westward into Kentucky, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri. And that's according to the federal census of 1830. Free blacks owned more than 10,000 slaves in Louisiana, Maryland, South Carolina, and Virginia. The majority of black slave owners lived in Louisiana and planted sugarcane. Did you know that? So let's 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 deal with our history. And you know, we've been selling each other out ever since, but yet we spent so much time talking about the white man and the white devil and and uh what's that other thing to talk about nowadays? It's called um white privilege. We talk about white privilege. Well, seems like some of our ancestors were exercising a little a little black privilege. John Hope Franklin and Lauren Swessinger in Runaway Slaves, Rebels on the Plantation, revealed that conditions under black masters could be such that slaves would run away. The quote, the largest black slaveholder in the South, John Carruthers Stanley of North Carolina, the largest black slave owner, old, listen to me, the largest black slaveholder in the South, John Carruthers Stanley of North Carolina, faced a number of problems in the 1820s in the dealing with a slave labor force on his three turpentine plantations in Craven County. With a total of 163 slaves, Stanley was a harsh, profit-minded taskmaster, and his 
field hands would run away. Stanley dealt with this through his two white overseers, you heard me? And with a spy network that included a few trusted slaves. Seems like we're still dealing with that, aren't we, my brothers and sisters? We got some slaves. We got some... We got some slave uh <laughs> we got some we got some spies. All right, okay, all right. So Brister, his slave barber in New Bern, was responsible for relaying to his owner rumors of planned escapes. Talk about sellouts. Nor did Stanley have any pangs of conscience about selling children away from their parents or holding free blacks in bondage. Stanley didn't have any problem of conscience about selling children away from their parents or holding free blacks in bondage. We're talking about a black man, folks. Now, I know those of you who might be tuning in right now, or who are listening through a download, you, I bet you think I, I'm talking about a white man. I bet unless I unless I say specifically that the guy's black, a lot of folks are going to assume that I'm talking about a white man. Mm-mm. Now, free black slave owners who lived in urban areas, Charleston, Savannah, Mobile, and New Orleans, well, they faced difficulties with their own slave property. Free mulatto barber William Johnson of New Orleans was not certain what had happened to his recently purchased slave, Walker, when he disappeared in 1835. When I, when I say the last names, it's because they only had last names. And that according to the census, the last name was what was logged into the census. So that's why I'm just giving last names here. So Walker, when he disappeared in 1835, he had either been stolen or had run away to Kentucky to rejoin his wife. When on July 4th, 1833, authorities in Ascension Paris, Louisiana, jailed the 12 or 14-year-old black boy named Isaac, taken off the steamer watchman, he admitted he was owned by a free woman of color in New Orleans named Jane. So guess what? Not only did black men own slaves, black women did too, folks. Yes, indeed. So let's take a short break. We'll come right back and we'll, uh, and we'll get further into this. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. This is the Dr. C. Robert Jones Conservative Report, weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the WAU Radio Network. Hey, Jim Stroud here with some information that has blown my mind. I mean, like... Did you know that in pre-Civil War America, black people owned black slaves? Well, if you did, maybe you saw uh, part one of my video series. Or, like me, 
you probably heard that black people owned black slaves because they were trying to uh, protect their loved ones from, uh, let's say, less charitable slave owners. James, your name is Toby. I want to hear you say it. Your name is Toby. You're going to learn to say your name. Let me hear you say it. What's your name? Kunta. Kunta Kinte. While it is true that some blacks did own black slaves as a way of protecting their loved ones, that is only part of the story. It is not the entire story. Check out some of these statistics from the U.S. Census of 1830, and you'll see some interesting things uh, like this. 965 free black slave owners in Louisiana owned 4,206 slaves. 464 free blacks in South Carolina owned 2,715 slaves. And as a matter of fact, free blacks owned more than 10,000 slaves in Louisiana, Maryland, South Carolina, and Virginia. The majority of black slave owners lived in Louisiana and planted sugarcane. Okay, when, when I saw those stats, I became um, very, very intrigued about black slave owners. So I started researching and finding um, more information um, on the topic, and here are uh, some things I discovered. Harry Coger, in his book, Black Slave Owners, Free Black Slave Masters in South Carolina, uh, he wrote about the success of black women in Charleston. Here's a quote. By 1860, so many black women in Charleston had inherited or been given slaves and other property by white men. By 1860, so many black women in Charleston had inherited or been given slaves and other property by white men and used their property to start successful businesses that they, the black women of Charleston, owned 70% of the black-owned slaves in the city. In Dixie's censored subject, Black Slave Owners, uh, Robert M. Grooms points out, in 1860, there were at least six Negroes in Louisiana who owned 65 or more slaves. The largest number, 152 slaves, were owned by the widow C. Richards and her son P.C. Richards, who owned a large sugarcane plantation. Another Negro slave magnate in Louisiana with over 100 slaves was Antoine Dubouclet, a sugar planter whose estate was valued at, in 1860, $264,000. That year, the average wealth of southern white men was $3,978. So... Did some black people want slavery to continue because they were profiting from the institution? In Black Property Owners in the South, uh, 1790 through 1915, the author, Lauren Swinger, cites uh, John Carruthers Stanley, someone who was born a slave in Craven County, North Carolina, uh, who became extraordinarily successful barber and speculator in real estate in New Bern. 
By the early 1820s, Stanley owned three plantations and 163 slaves and even hired three white overseers to manage his property. Whoo! Hey, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling you what I found out. From the book, Black Masters, A Free Family of Color in the Old South, I learned about William Ellison. Now, he was born in 1790 as a slave on a plantation in the Fairfield District of the state, far up country from Charleston. In 1816, at the age of 26, he bought his own freedom and soon bought his wife and their child. In 1822, he opened his own cotton gin and soon became quite wealthy. By his death in 1860, he owned 900 acres of land and 63 slaves. At his death, just before the Civil War began, Ellison was richer than the overall majority. That's the overall majority of white people in South Carolina. That being said, Ellison did not allow any of his slaves to purchase his or her own freedom. No, no. Let the music play, because that's, that's keeping me from getting mad. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Okay, so there were some free blacks who exploited their fellow blacks for profit. Uh, that is a historical fact. Um, but what about the slaves who, or rather, what about the, the free blacks who purchased their loved ones in order to protect them? Surely they treated them all with loving care. Dilsey Pope was born a free woman, and when she was older, she bought the man she loved in order to marry him. Dilsey owned her own house and land, and she also hired her husband out as labor. One day, as all married couples do, they had a fight. And as a result, Dilsey sold him to her white neighbor out of spite. Later on, Dilsey felt bad about the argument and tried to reconcile. Only problem was that when she went to buy her husband back and apologized, her neighbor refused to sell him. Awkward. Jacob Gaskin was born free because his mother was a free woman. His father was still a slave at the time of his birth. When Jacob grew older, his mother helped him to buy his father. The family was happy with this arrangement, although the father was technically still their slave. One day, Jacob's father scolded him for misbehaving as any good father would do. Jacob didn't like his father telling him what to do, so he sold his daddy to a New Orleans trader and then later bragged to his friends and colleagues about sending his own father to be a slave on a plantation in Louisiana to, quote, learn him some manners. That was wrong on so many levels. In the book 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro, Carter G. Woodson said some of the husbands who purchased their spouses were not anxious to liberate their wives immediately. They considered it advisable to put them on probation for a few years, and if they did not find them satisfactory, they would sell their wives as other slaveholders dispose of Negroes. Huh. So, what's my takeaway from all these things that I've learned? Well, for better, or in this case for worse, uh, both white and black, uh, profited from the institution of slavery. In some ways, black people profited more when you think about the undue advantage they had over their loved ones. Certainly not all black people, uh, but some did. 
uh, in that and in light of that, there's no one group of people more virtuous uh, than the other. In a way, in a weird kind of way, it reminded me of a quote from one of my heroes, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who said this, I look to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. So what do you think about the things I shared in this video? Is your mind like, uh, or are you like, whatever, <laughs> either way? I would like to hear from you. If you would, leave a comment below. Please share this video uh, far and wide. I'd appreciate that. And also would appreciate even more if you would subscribe to my blog, of course, jimstroud.com. Now, all of my videos, most of my videos deal with technology uh, for the most part. Uh, this is something I'm doing for Black History Month. Uh, but who knows? Based on the response, maybe I'll do more. I don't know. Uh, so, oh, before I go, um, I want to present an award. The Golden Cockroach Award is reserved for only the most loathsome of human beings. Uh, today's recipient is Nat Butler. Who is Nat Butler, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Nat Butler, a free black, owned a farm and made a living selling slaves in a very unique way. He would make friends with slaves, encourage them to escape their masters by hiding on his property. Once their slave master reported them missing, Nat Butler would find out what the reward was and sell them back. If the price for their return was too low, he would buy them from the local slave master at a bargain price, then sell them for a much higher profit elsewhere. Over time, Nat Butler gained a bad reputation in his county for his scheming actions, and many people tried to kill him. I wish I knew how successful they were, but I do not. So that's it for part two. In part three, why did slavery really end in America? The answer might surprise you. All right, welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. That was a good friend of mine, Derek Butler, and, uh, you know, uh, check his uh, his videos out when you have a chance. And uh, he kind of sounds a little bit like me. I think he's doing me a little bit. But, hey, that's cool. I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. But listen, you know what? What he said was certainly true. It was so true, and it's all documented. It's all a part of history. And you know that that part? I particularly enjoyed it, actually. I don't know why. And maybe shame on me, where the wife sold her husband because he got a little out of line to try to teach him a lesson. <laughs> try to teach him a lesson. I'll show you, nigga. I'll sell your ass. Sold him, then just to teach him a lesson, you see, and then decided, you know what? Okay, I think he's learned his lesson. Let me get out my my, my purse. <laughs> Went to try to buy her husband back, only to have the person who bought him say, "Oh, yeah, no, I'm not selling." Yeah, you know we get sold out like that all the time by our women. It, only this time it's more modern. You see, what had happened was, or what happens is, you get a little out of line, your wife, this happens in the black community a lot. I don't know about white folks, but this happens in the black community a lot, called the community. All right, so she calls the, you, you get a little out of line, you get a little too uppity, 
she calls the cops on you. She says you hit her, or maybe you just acted like you was going to hit her. You raised your hand to hit her, but you thought better of it. You 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 remembered your your training from your mom and dad, so you just go chill and go lie down on the couch or something, and you, you doze off a little bit. Next thing you know, boom 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 boom. There's a knock at the door. Cops come, say we heard there was a domestic disturbance. Of course, they're not taking her away. They're looking for you. Yeah, he 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 raised his hand and hit me. I'm scared of him. Can you take him out of here? And then next thing you know. He's got the bracelets on, and he's on his way to the pokey. A little bit later on, she calms down and says, you know, he really didn't do anything, and I don't want to press charges. And in some states, yeah, they'll let him go because the complainant refused to press charges. So what can they do? But no, 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 no. In many other states, the... A district attorney says, or the state's attorney rather, says, uh, no, you know, I'm gonna go, we're gonna go ahead and pick up these charges. You can, you can recant all you want, but we're gonna go ahead and pick up the charges anyway. Next thing you know, they're saying, you know what, you tell your story to the judge. Boom, drop it like it's hot. It's a similar situation, <laughs> not not exactly, but it's our. I guess it's 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 the black man's new, uh, uh, updated version of what the wife did during slavery times when she sold her husband and then tried to try to buy him back after she thought he learned his lesson. We go to jail for a little while to teach us a lesson. Maybe we'll stay home more. Maybe we won't be so uppity. Blah, 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 but boom. Next thing you know, the jails are full. So, did you learn anything from my guy? Because he, he, he did the research and he laid it down, and I'm so very proud of him. Because he put it out there. You know, every single day, we deal with this same situation. It's not changed. It's only gotten a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more technical. Now, instead of being sold out, to slavery by our own kind if you would or our own our own our own people well there's a drug trade there's crack there's cocaine there's marijuana we've been sold out by each other every single day of the week all the time and you know what what blacks used to do was they'll blame it on white people They'll say, white people bred our ancestors to be at each other's throat because then you had the house hands and then you had the field hands and the house hands were jealous of the, the field. The field hands were jealous of the house hands and then there was the light-skinned folks that had the you know, mixed blood because they slept with the master. The master slept with them and made these mulatto babies and he had all this going on. So we've, we've been at our throats ever since then and it's the white man's fault. Well, maybe not so much because there are quite a few blacks as we have proven that held other black people in bondage 
And you know what? What I find particularly despicable about all of this is that black slave owners often treated their slaves worse, much worse, than white slave owners treated blacks. What is that all about? In 1860, there were at least six Negroes in Louisiana who owned 65 or more slaves. The largest number, 152 slaves, were owned by the widow, C. Charles, and her son, P. C. Charles, who owned a large sugarcane plantation. Blacks, folks, not whites, for those of you who are just tuning in. Another Negro slave magnate in Louisiana with over 100 slaves was Antoine Dublachet a sugar planter whose estate was valued in $1860 at $264,000. My God just put that one out there, so you knew you knew about that one. But check this out. 260 at $1860, $264,000. Now that year the average wealth of southern white men was 3,900 and $78. You know, that's interesting. Considering today's accounts of life under slavery, author Johnson and Rook report instances where free Negroes petitioned to be allowed to become slaves. And this was because they were unable to support themselves. Now, regarding ex- uh, Black ex-slave William Ellison. As with the slaves of his white counterparts, occasionally Ellison's slaves ran away. And the historians is uh, the historians of Sumter District uh, reported that from the time from time to time Ellison's uh, Ellison advertised for his for the return of his runaways. On at least one occasion, Ellison hired the service of a slave catcher. According to an account by Robert N. Andrews, a white man who had purchased a small hotel in Statesboro in the 1820s, Ellison hired him to run down a valuable slave. Andrews caught the slave in Belleville, Virginia. He stated, I was paid on returning home $77.50 and $74 for expensive expenses. Now, it didn't just end there with Daddy. Following their father's footsteps, the Ellison family actively supported the Confederacy throughout the war. You heard me? Or do I need to say that again? Following their father's footsteps... The Ellison family actively supported the Confederacy throughout the war. They converted nearly their entire plantation to the production of corn, fodder, bacon, corn shucks, and cotton for the Confederate armies. They paid $5,000 in taxes during the war. They also invested more than 9000 in Confederate bonds, treasury notes, and certificates in addition to the Confederate currency they had. I'm glad those Negroes got, uh, got, I bet they went damn broke once the Confederate Army got their asses whooped. And serves them right. Now, as an interesting sideline to black slave owners in the south of the United States, well, is that there were 
also an estimated 65,000 Southern blacks in the Confederate military, including over 13,000 who fought against the North in battle. Did you know that? So the next time one of my brothers tells me, or one of you, one of you liberal thinking, liberal, white liberals, one of you well intentioned white liberals who 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 wanna who wanna commiserate and feel my pain as a black man. Think about all this stuff. Because it's real. It's accurate. It's history. We're talking about U.S. Census reports. We're talking about well-documented information here. This is not my opinion. This is not skewed information. This is down and dirty facts. Because we tell it like it is on the Dr. C. Robert Jones situation report. We tell it like it is. We don't feel. We think. And when we think, we know. Because knowledge is power. And baby, I got all the power in the world. Come up. Step up. And say, Jones, you need to know where you came from, brother. Whose side are you on? You need to learn your history, my brother. You need to stop thinking white. Hmm. Well, I don't think I need to, I need to, I don't need to think white or black. Because it seems to me, based on history, and even well into today, I can't trust none of y'all. I keep my eye on a black man and a white man, too. But more so, a black man. Because I can see, in some ways, I can, I can, I can comprehend how a white man might enslave my ancestors back during those times and consider me less than human. It, it's almost, it's almost conceivable. Yes. There's a lot of wickedness in the world. And Europeans weren't the only ones holding slaves. And anybody with any knowledge, anybody who's ever really picked up a book, knows that Europeans weren't the only slaveholders. Hell, Africans in Africa owned slaves before they were brought to this continent. And so the reason why I need to keep keep a more focused eye on black people is that during the times of slavery on this continent, it's a well-known and well-documented fact that black slaveholders treated their slaves far worse in many cases, 
than white slave owners treated their slaves. I like I like for there to be a movie, kind of like a Roots type of movie, in miniseries form. But have that movie deal exclusively with blacks who owned other blacks. Because I think that this generation, this generation who, 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 who who's anti-white and who talks about white privilege and white devils, and all that. There's even some TV series on Netflix called Dear White People. How about Dear Black People? Let's do that. Because your black asses, at least your ancestors, they're not righteous folks in a lot of cases. There are many of you black folks out there who don't even know, who have no idea whether or not your ancestors actually owned other black people. So before you go casting stones at those white slaveholders and start asking for reparations, well, here's the thing. If I'm going to get reparations from the United States government because my great-great-great-grandfather was a slave, so somehow I'm supposed to get paid for that, then see here. Mr. Black Man and Woman, open your wallet also. Because I don't know for sure right now whether or not my ancestors were owned by other black people. But you know what? I'm going to err on the side of caution. So while the U.S. government is opening their wallet, if they ever do, to put down reparations... You need to pony up too, each and every one of you. Hell, even me, because I don't know. I don't know if my ancestors had, had slaves or not, or owned slaves. So maybe we should all throw a little more jack into the kitty and spread it around. How about that? How about that? All right. Well, this has been a very, very interesting topic. Now, I want you to go ahead and pick up a couple of books, if you dare. If you have time, you can get them on Amazon. I'm looking at them right now on Amazon.com. Black Masters. Mm-hmm. Free Black Slave Masters in South Carolina from 1790 to 1860. It's only 1920 prime, or you can get them used for $8.97 by Michael P. Johnson, who is a black man. All right, or or how about this? Go go. How about that? Black slave owners, free black slave masters in South Carolina from 1790 to 1860. Black Slave Owners by Larry Kroger. How about that? Paperback, eighteen ninety nine. You can probably find it cheaper somewhere. How about that? So let's all 
collectively learn our history. And the next time one of you, one of my white friends, any of, any white people out there at all, have some black folk person get up in your face and say, your family owned slaves and you, y'all white, uh-huh, let them know. Let them know that, hey, maybe, maybe your black ass has some skeletons in your proverbial closet when it comes to slavery. Because as far as history is concerned, blacks own slaves too, and a whole hell of a lot of them. That's the sad, sick part. Can you imagine the first legal slaveholder? The first, listen to me, the first legal slaveholder on this continent in the great state of Virginia was a black man. Now, wrap your head around that. Wrap your head around that for just a little bit. The first, I didn't even want to continue. It's just sad. It's, it's, it's extreme. <laughs> it's so sad, it's funny. Because now you got all, you have all these young folks running around talking about white folks and vilifying white people. And talking about white privilege and the white slave masters and all of that. When you got William Ellison and his whole damn family owning slaves and fighting on the side of the Confederacy. And then you got Johnson, the first, the first person to own slaves on this continent legally who fought to keep his slave forever Anthony Johnson folks remember the name 1640s 1654 Mr. John Castor his slave Fought to gain his freedom in the courts. Mr. Anthony Johnson, a black man, fought to keep him in bondage for his lifetime. Don't let anybody tell you different, folks. Not all black people are virtuous, charitable, good people. Hell, nobody is, really. I mean, you can't say that there's a virtuous person among us. No. Well, you've been listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. I hope that you've listened to this show and you've gained some insight into history, our history, 
the American experience. The history they don't tell you about. The history of America. The real America. All right, we're out. You've been listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Tune in on Monday. And we'll be back again and we'll talk some more stuff. We'll find out some more stuff about history. We'll talk about current events as well. All right. I love you. Have a fantastic weekend. And I look forward to talking more with you on Monday. Tune in. Call in. And enjoy the show. Have a good night. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America.
fly.